song and then go out some talking for now.
on the guitar. And that's Randall Farr on the bass. And that's Emery Carter on the drums. So, one quick, uh, uh, what I was going to say, a disclaimer before I get going on this is, when musicians talk about what they do, it, it is so very easy to border on the pretentious <laughs> sounding. So just putting that out there, that I'm just not going to be worried about that. And if it comes out as sounding kind of very pretentious, then it will, it will be so. But that's not my intent. So hopefully, <laughs> uh, that's what, when musicians talk about listening and what we do, it gets, can get very lofty. So just, you know, just be Wolf 401. But uh, I'm going to start with just, so when Donald asked me to, to you know, present some music and do a little talk, he, I said, oh, that sounds great, I, I, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'd love to do that. And then maybe six weeks ago or so, he asked, so is there like a, a theme or like a title you know, for your talk? And I was like, well, I had been planning on getting around to thinking about what I was going to talk about. So I said, um, well, listen is really like, kind of like the most important thing for musicians. We'll call it like, I'm listening. And then that's as far as I got, really, until this kind of this afternoon. Just kind of, not because, but I say that, like, partly that, like, there's, this is, like, so deep. It's, like, so intrinsic to what we do. It's almost kind of, like, hard to even know where to begin. It's, like, the, it's, like, the whole thing. I mean, it's, like, it is. So I wrote down some thoughts. The first thing I wrote down was listening is the most important skill for a musician, period. So the best musicians are the best listeners, period. I think that's a pretty fair statement, that to be a great musician does not mean you are a great technician, does not mean you're a great facility, does not mean you're the smartest person. It means you're the best listener. And, all, and that listening is really the foundation for everything else. It's the foundation for all your technique. It's the foundation for actually being able to use any kind of understanding, any kind of you know, intelligence about <coughs> harmony or about the way music is constructed it all comes, it really all comes down to the, to the listening. Um, and the best musicians, the best listeners, and it's the quality and the depth of their listening that really is what makes them great. Um, however proficient one per, a person is, there is, or, or not is, you know, sometimes some of the best musicians are not particularly, at least it's not their proficiency that gets you, right? Um, but man, it's like, some, it's some, something about the listening. So, one thing is, when we're trying to, when I teach students about listening and about music, we make a distinction sometimes between hearing and listening. It's like, you know, you hear something, and it's like we all hear it. We all heard the same thing, you know. So if I put on a recording, I'm listening to it, the student's listening to it. We hear, we, we're hearing, quote unquote, the same thing. But then there's like a quality to the listening, and I'm, I'm able to hear things because of the way I listen and because of the, you know, informed method of listening. And then my teachers, you know, the, or, or, a truly great musician is going to hear on a different level because of the way they listen than I can. You know, a, uh, a Herbie Hancock or a Stevie Wonder is going to, going to hear in a whole different level of, than, than I can. Um, and so I, I also came up with these, it's like, there's so much to this, like when you say like, you know, I, I'm listening, like that actually means there's a connotation to that. That if someone's like, hey, I want to tell you something, you're like, well, I'm listening. Like, there's more than just like the sound is entering my ears. I'm in the room. But like, there's an attentiveness to it, right? Like when when you know someone's listening to you because they're being attentive. So, 
I, I, I highlighted kind of two main aspects of listening that kind of, they're in this like symbiotic kind of circle. One is like awareness, and then one is understanding. So like, as we become better listeners, we actually are like more aware of what's going on. So when I hear a recording, I listen to it, and, and then I play it for a student and say, so what did you think? Oh, I liked it. It's like, well, what, did you, what about what the drums are doing? They're like, oh, I don't know what the drums are doing. I'm like, well, was the drummer playing on the ride cymbal or was he playing on the hi-hat? I don't know. Like, well, was it, well, don't you think? Well, let's listen to it again. Oh, okay, yeah, he's on the ride cymbal, yeah. And, and that sounds really different than when he moved to the hi-hat. So there's an awareness there. And, and so, but then at the same time, the more aware you become, it actually kind of requires a certain amount of understanding, just like when you're listening to any language. So if I was speaking to you right now in, you know, in Greek or some, some other language, you would, most of you probably, maybe Kevin would understand some because he went to seminary, but uh, like you would have a very, very little understanding of what was going on, right? And so like, as you understand more about the way it works and why things are happening in music, that actually informs your listening. You become more aware of things. Like, oh, that's what's happening. I can now also start to predict what's going to happen because I understand what usually happens. And then when that thing does happen, I can, you know, I can be satisfied because it happened. Or when the thing doesn't happen, when, that, when maybe a surprise is delivered, I can experience that surprise because of an under, there's a certain understanding in there. Um, and so, you know, there's... There's also, you know, that same caveat I gave when I, when I said about, you know, musicians talking about music sounding like, like bordering on the pretentious. I think it goes also when people like start talking about like their faith or how what their understanding of it. So, in, in a way, this listening, this like requires a certain amount of, of awareness, and then it also requires an understanding, as well, right? There's like you start off at least. For me, it's like have like very vague, if any, kind of awareness. But then you start, uh, yeah, as I became more and more aware, it kind of pricked and, you know, maybe seek more understanding, and then that understanding is more aware, and there's like a, it kind of keeps going, and they keep feeding each other. And so there's, there's a lot to be said, and there's a lot, you know, I think that maybe you guys can kind of understand how that might work. Um, and then uh, I have a couple of quotes I wrote here from, from teachers of mine or people that were, were um, or, or kind of heroes of mine. Uh, and then one is, I, think, I couldn't remember who said it, and I think it may be a paraphrase of several of my teachers, but here's some things about listening. So true listening is an all-encompassing activity, meaning when you're, when you're really listening to something, that is all you're doing. You're not also thinking about something else. You're not also even judging it. So a lot of times people, when they play music, they play, and then they're also deciding if it was good or not, and deciding that it wasn't good, maybe, and no, that sucks, I, I, maybe I suck, you know, while they're playing. So, but when you're doing that, you're not listening. Like, when you're really listening, that's, that's it. It's an, it's an entirely all-encompassing thing, you know. Um, here's another one. This is from the great Swedish trumpeter, Hoken Hardenberger, probably the greatest living classical trumpeter. Um, he says, most students don't listen. And when you tell them to listen, they listen after. And they ask, how was that? <laughs> but true listening is before. Meaning, he's like, you have to hear what it's supposed to sound like. like that's the listening he's talking about. And again, like I said, it sounds really pretentious, but it's actually like, 
is super heavy and really true. Like, and then this relates directly to that. This is from the great John Doerr, who's uh, a teacher of all of ours, and uh, you know, a hero, hero of ours. He's a great trumpeter professor at, at UVA, uh, and uh, he's you know, played with all these great musicians. And he's just one, one of the great living the jazz musicians. Uh, and I had the, you know, the pleasure and honor of studying, getting to study with him when I was still a teenager. Um, and he really kind of took me under his wing, and was really great, <coughs> as he did with Randall, too. Randall's known him for, since he was a kid as well. <laughs> uh, but, but I remember John saying this to me. I was probably 15 or 16, and he's like, he said, Taylor, don't listen to the sound that's coming out of your bell. It's too late to do anything about it. <laughs> Which is true. Uh, but he says, he says, what you need to have, you need to have an image of the most perfect trumpet sound you've ever heard in your mind, and you just play along with that in the moment. You're playing along with the sound that's in your mind. And he said, that right there, that's a lifelong thing. He's like, you will never ever get there, and that's the heaviest thing I'll ever tell you. But he's like, that's at least what we're going for. And I was like, I remember even at 15 being like, yeah, that makes sense, but that does really sound like, you know, it's like achieving you know, enlightenment or oneness or whatever, you know, this like, this sense of, of like, being completely clear about, about your, your vision and being actually able to like access it in the moment. So, you know, I think in our, in our, in our best moments, we have these fleeting experiences that, that where, where we have that kind of feeling. Um, so, uh, so that, that first time we played was called For Now. Um, I wrote that at the beach and I only I, I say that it's salient in the sense that I wrote it when I was supposed to be on vacation and not working. And when I have space like that, that's actually when I want to write music. So I was like, you know, my wife, who's, who's wonderful and, and very supportive and everything. And occasionally we'll, in a, in a very loving way, we'll be like, hey, maybe you should like take a day off. Or maybe you should like rest, you know, like if we're going to hang out in the evening, she's like, well, she's going to read a book and I'm, I can't figure out what to do, so I like, take out my computer and like start working on a composition or something. She's like, well, I thought we, were gonna, we weren't going to work tonight. I'm like, yeah, but now that we have space, now I want to make, make some music. You know, I don't have this like, stupid spreadsheets or the emails, right? Um, I can actually start to like, hear what's in my, my mind. I, can actually, I, I need to have like, enough quiet. And that, you know, that relates a lot to you know, prayer or any kind of, any kind of sense of, of being able to to like trying to figure, you know, and, and sense what, what God is trying to teach you or lead you, that like, when everything's like so cluttered and it's like so chaotic, like there's no time to hear it. It's like you're just kind of reacting. But when you actually can take time to listen and, and think and, and, and that's, so for me, composition is, is really, is very much like that. It's like, I actually have to have space and to do it, which is why I write like a tune every six months. <laughs> because I often don't, you know, just just the way it is. Um, I also probably don't seek that time out like I should. But, um, but anyway, so I wrote this tune at the beach, and I mean, everyone up here is a composer too. So like, I think you know, I'm gonna put them on the spot. But I think we all have a similar sense of you get a spark of something where it's like you have, you have an idea for a kind of a song or maybe a feel or a general vibe. And then it's, it's like you're like trying to hone in on like, well, what am I actually hearing? I think I'm hearing something very general, but I need to get more specific. So I'm like listening to something that doesn't really exist yet, but it also, I mean, it's based on a lot of, you know, things we've heard before. But 
so I remember hearing this this kind of um, kind of upbeat but laid back kind of folky vibe with like a kind of complicated melody, but a melody that would, that would feel relaxed was the idea, and it reminded me of something maybe like a like a theme you might play or um, so that that was like the idea I had in my mind, and so then I had to like start writing it and then hearing what I was coming up with and comparing it to what I was hearing in my mind and try and essentially craft it and like hack away at it until it resembled when I actually heard it like that's what I was hearing I don't know I didn't know what it was but I had a general sense and that's like you know I mean there's a million parallels for you know, for, for walking the tape there um, you have a kind of general sense of where you're, where you're going and as you're going you're like is this is this the right Way, I'm not really sure, and you know, and you, but you keep going back to, you know, back to something, kind of comparing. Is this, I mean, is this, is this like that? What, what can, I, can I change? Anyway, so that was that. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's play some more. So, um, this next one is, is a tune of mine called the Two for One. It's a blues, um, and this this relates to one of the other things I was thinking about. Listening is like listening is like a group dynamic. So obviously, we're all improvising for most of what's happening up here. So there's you know maybe forty seconds of music at the beginning, and then we're improvising, and we're improvising over a form that's kind of repeating over and over and over and over again. So it's like um, it's like a merry-go-round, and we're all just on the same track, and it just keeps looping. And so we can learn to expect things are going to happen at certain points, you know, and I'm not going to end my solo in the middle of the track. I'm going to wait till the starting line again end it. But then there's like roles that we each kind of are playing. So there's some expectations there. But then there's also a million, I mean, there's only an infinite amount of variety of what can happen, right? Um, and so we have to like be listening to each other, what they're actually playing, and this is where it gets pretentious me too, but also like hearing what they're not playing <laughs> or hearing what they might play next. <clears throat> and that's a super heavy. When you play with people a lot and you get to know, and we, you know, we've all listened to a lot of the same music, so we're familiar with a lot of the same styles and the same artists. I mean, every time we get together, we were just doing this, just talking about recordings that we love and, oh, I remember that, and that, that recording meant a lot to me too. And so then when we play, will end up in certain situations where I, I can almost predict what is going to happen next. Or, you know, if I play something like this, I bet they're going to play something like this in response. And it's like being in a, a group. Well, it is. It's in a group conversation. It's just a musical conversation. And so we're all trying to do that. And just like when you're having a conversation with someone, it's like you don't want to talk the whole time and dictate the, you know, every topic because that's really obnoxious. But you also don't want to just be a lump who just sits there and is like, uh, I don't know, what do you want to do? Um, you know, have no opinion, right? You, you know what I mean? It's like there's, there's no one right way to do it. Because <laughs> sometimes you should talk a lot, and sometimes you shouldn't. Um, so the blues one is a good one for me to bring that up, because it's like, it is, a, it is one of the most open forms, and it's, one of the, it's a form that is like the most conducive to that kind of, um, to that kind of playing. So, um, so just listen, and like, Listen to how we communicate with each other and how we're listening to each other and responding. Sometimes one person's kind of leading the other ones and sometimes people are, are, are kind of following the other's leads and there's no right, one right way to do it, which is what makes it so fun. So, um, this is 
two for one. Thank <laughs> you. 
Which one? Okay. It was one of those, I thought it was, as I was playing, I'm like, am I playing this in the wrong spot? <laughs> but then, maybe they were just going with me, which would be the right thing to do, I guess. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, they know I always play stuff in the wrong spot. Um, I got page two of my, oh yeah. So, um. So this next tune we're going to play uh, is is a canon. So it's a musical canon. And one of the things I love about about this canon is like so. One of the hardest things to like wrap our brain around is the concept of the Trinity in in Christian theology. It's like so God. There's one God, only one God in three persons. And so there's this like three in one thing, and it's like I can never wrap my brain around it. Really, it's like it's a triangle, you know, and it's like three parts of one triangle, or like, you know, how do you really, I mean, it's, you, you'll never truly fathom it, because it's, it's, you know, our, our, brain, our brains are not kind of capable of that. However, um, it's, it's amazing, because it has to be true, and yet, it's also something that's like, it's, it's like a completely fundamental truth, and it's also something I can't possibly understand, like, at, at, at a truly, uh, not the same way that I can understand, like, two, two plus two equals four, the C major has like a C and an E and a G in it. Like those things like I can get. So one of the things I like about this about this canon is it's a little bit of a musical picture because you know words can get you can get you to a certain place and then like just the structure of the way music works. It is at the same time the most utterly abstract art form that there that there is. Because you, you literally can't touch it. You can't see it. The 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 medium in which we're working is sound and time. So, I mean, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, does anyone here really understand time, even? <laughs> it's like, I mean, musicians are gonna be probably the ones who understand it better than anyone else, except for maybe like an astrophysicist, but even that, I feel like, you know, we deal with time, it's like, that's our thing, you know? I mean, a sculptor deals with like stone or bronze or whatever, like we deal with time, and time relates and stuff, which is heavy enough to think about. Um, but then, getting to listening, the other thing, and I, and I, I try and convey this a lot to my music theory students, because music theory can get very technical and very concrete, which is a good thing because this art form is so abstract, we actually kind of need that scaffolding, we need that to try and understand this. Um, and so, one of the things that I try and get them to understand, which I'll share with you, is like, this music that we just played only actually exists in your mind, like your brain is creating it while you're hearing it. So look, the sounds we're making are activating the, the, you know, the, the nerves in your ears, and that's creating an electrical signal. And then you're, you're hearing that, and your understanding of this is actually what's doing it. So it's, it means, it's literally, it's that, it's that analogy that the tree falling in the woods, or not analogy, the, it's the, um, you know, the, the old, it's like the saying or the um, figure of speech, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, in a sense, it's like, well, I mean, it makes vibrations. I think we'd all agree that. But like, well, what is the sound? Does, does it require a hearer? And so music actually does. And, and it not only requires a hearer, it requires a hearer to like have some level of understanding of it, to be able to relate it to something that they've heard before. So like everything, everything you hear is just, is your, your brain is like co-creating it with us, which is pretty heavy to think about.
Um, but anyway, I digress. So taking something that's really abstract and hard to understand and putting it into some kind of a terms that can make sense of it. So this is a canon. And what a canon is, very simply, is a melody that is played, and while it's being played, another voice starts the melody again while the first one is still playing part of it. So the most simple version of the canon that you can think of is a round. And the way a lot of times people sing, row, row, row your boat, and you know, you know, row, row, row your boat, and then when they sing gently down the stream, the next people start singing, row, row, row your boat again, and it creates like, this nice little harmony. So you're hearing one melody, and it's being played. That, in that case, it usually works in, in three, in, in three. So that's one melody being played simultaneously three times. Now, that's a round, which is the most simple kind, so it's literally the same melody, in the same key, at the same time scale. So that's kind of cool. I, what a canon can do is you take the same melody, and when the next voice comes in, it doesn't play it necessarily in the same key. You can play it at a different, in a different key. And that, is, as you can imagine, is, takes a lot more thought to make work, because now you've got to be thinking of this melody in two keys, but not, not like this, like this. So okay, when they're playing the first measure, this other person's playing you know, measure five, but in a different keys. So how will those notes sound together? And then the third voice comes in. And you can do it yet another key. So this candidate does that. It's in three different keys. But that, even that was, was, um, was not cool enough. That what you can also do with, with this canon is, is you can start to um, scale the ratio of the rhythm so that the terms are augmentation, so you can actually play it at a slower rhythmic value, or you can or diminution, where you can do it in a faster rhythmic value. So, for instance, if the rhythm was dum 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 dum, if that was the rhythm, you could do it faster, dum da dum da dum da dum, or you could do it slower, dum 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 So. There's, now we have a melody, a single melody, that is being kind of expressed or is a kind of existing in three keys and in, this, in the key case of this tune, in, in two different time scales. So one is much slower. So they have like different functions. So when you hear this now, one, now one part of the melody sounds like it's the bass line. It's actually the accompaniment for another part of the same melody. So the melody is actually the accompaniment, is actually the harmony. Um, and it's, it's, I think it worked out pretty neat, and it's pretty fun to play. Um, and I think it may help, just because it's, it's as complicated as, as, you, as what I just described, however you're saying, it actually is that complicated. So if, I think it might help if you just hear the melody by itself once, so you can hear what the melody is, and then we'll play just the, just the canon part of the tune. And then I decided, you know, I wanted to make it a jazz thing, so we're gonna kind of improvise on it, so we'll take little portions of the melody, and we'll start to kind of like, I'll take this little like two bars and like span that out, and now that can become a, a thing that people improvise over. And so you'll kind of hear parts of it as we improvise and deal with that over the course of the tune. Um, one part of it is, is, a very, is, a, is a rising half step thing happens very quickly in the melody. Well, over the accompaniment part, it actually is like an open, we're on one chord or one tonality for an extended period of time, and then Alan's gonna cue, and it'll move up by a half step. So there's that, that one little spot that was like, took up this much space when we first hear it, 
and takes up maybe 45 seconds when you hear it again. So it's like dealing with these time scales. All right, so let's just make that. Can you play with Reddit uh, A? So this is, this is the melody. Same melody, now it's extrapolated out very, very, in a very, very long way. So enough where I can play. Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's see if I can remember. Let's see if I can remember my part. I've been trying to pl play all these tunes from memory because I wrote them, so you wouldn't think it'd be that hard. This one is actually really hard to play from memory, but I'm gonna try.
don't know if you noticed, but so after all that, all those, those three different versions of the metal, they actually, it works out so they all end on the same note. So there's still that unity, that unison there. Um, anyway, I'm not sure what I was on that day, but I'm going to give something. All right, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So we've got time for one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so listening, so I'm a teacher. I, I mean, I'm a musician, but I feel, I, I, I almost am as much a teacher as I am a musician, in a sense. Like, I could have seen myself, I, I couldn't have seen my life where I wasn't a musician, where I, where I didn't play or write music. But I could actually now, I could actually have envisioned a version of my life that would have been really great where I didn't, where I didn't do music professionally as my, as my living if I taught. I could, like, for, in other words, I could teach something else. I could see myself like enjoying teaching something else and like doing music on the side. Um, now, I'm, you know, thank the Lord I don't have to do that, but um, I do love to teach. I think teaching is an amazing thing, and there are also a million parallels between being a musician and being a teacher, too. So those parallels become really obvious when you teach music. Um, but, like, this idea of listening and, like, listening to our students, you know, we tell them, like, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And, like, someone who tells you to listen to them but then doesn't listen to you... I think you, you get, you know, you get that, right? You know, it's like the stereotypical, like, you know, your parents are like, oh, my kids never listen to me. And the parents, and the kids in the other room are like, yeah, my parents never listen to me. And it's like, well, <laughs> maybe if everyone, like, you guys both listened to each other. I mean, uh, I mean, scripture's full, of, I mean, just a million times where, where God's telling his people, like, you need to listen to me, or you need to listen to, to my prophets who are, like, speaking to you. And there's... But he's not, but he also says he listens to us too, right? So there's like, there's, it goes both ways. Like one of the exercises of authority is by listening, being open to and like caring about, you know, the other, even one that's got, you know, who's under your authority. So one picture I, that, that I was telling one of our, one of our teachers who we just saw the other day, we hadn't seen him in a long time, but he's, he had a huge impact on all, on all four of our lives. This guy, I mean, Skip Gales, he taught here at BCU for, I mean, gosh, going on 30 years almost. Um, he's an amazing musician an amazing, and an amazing teacher. He's an amazing music teacher, but he's also just an amazing teacher, period, of anything. Um, and one of the other things uh, that I remember is so he taught, among other things, he taught the jazz improvisation class, which Randall now teaches. Uh, and in this class, he's trying to teach someone how to, how to improvise, which is like kind of a heavy concept. Like, I want you to play something, play what you're hearing. No, don't play that, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's what are like, you doing? Yeah, exactly. Just play what you hear, but don't hear that. Um, but, uh, so, but he was a master at it. He was amazing at it. And, you know, I, I was in this class, and there was another student. This student was, had a ton of energy and, and was, like, super, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Wanted to, like, kind of run before he could walk and had these, like, really grand artistic visions, but, like, didn't want to just get his basic skills together. And it was very frustrating for some of the other students in the class, my, especially for me. I was not as, as nice a person as I am now. Um, but, like, I am, um, you know, he just, he irked me because it was like, man, can you just do what Skip asked us to do? He said we were going to play like this on this tune. And he's, he, blah, blah, I thought what I would do is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but you can't even do that. Um, and so he would drive me crazy in there. And, and I had a hard time kind of loving this guy because he, he just got on my nerves. And I remember him, he was playing, and Skip had asked us to do such and such, you know, to play on 
some song to be able to, to be able to address the form of the song. So you play it in a way that fits the structures of the song. So it's like if I give you a topic and say, I want you to just speak about this topic, and then you get to start talking about something else because <laughs> you're more comfortable talking about that. You didn't want to learn about enough about this topic to speak about, right? But so the skip's playing, and Skip is like is really listening to him. He's like he's he's sitting there, he's kind of sitting there in the chair. He's he's Skip played saxophone and piano, both extremely well. Um, so he's got a saxophone on his neck. He's sitting there listening, and, and the kid's playing. He goes, "Stop!" So I'm gonna do Skip's voice because I can't not do Skip's voice. Skip had this like kind of, kind of I guess kind of New York accent. Anyway, it was Skip. Stop! That no. Why did you play that? <laughs> and, he was, and he was like, and the kid's like, I, I don't know, I just was just playing. He's like, so that note is the major third, it did not work on a minor chord. So I want you to play again, and don't play that note. And then, so he's listening to him, kid gets to it again, he's like, stop. He's like, no, you played that note again. And, and it was like, he really was listening to this kid. He was, he was not going to let him get by, and he wasn't like singling him out to try and make him feel bad. It was like, it was an act of love, like, because I would have, if I was his teacher, I'd have been like, yeah, man, sounds good. Let's move on. Like, I don't, I don't even want to deal with that because, like, I don't know how I'm going to teach this guy. And Skip was not like that. He was like, he really invested in listening to what this kid was playing and picking it out and knowing what it was and bringing it to his attention. And, you know, he's actually now very successful. Uh, you know, uh, he lives in New York and this, this guy's a very successful, winning all kinds of grants and, 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 and he's, he's actually got a great career. And, I, that, that to me was a real lesson. So I, I try and I do that. I try and be like that with my students now. That I remember how how much of an impression it made that like Skip is really was really listening to what this kid was playing, and it was not like great to listen to, right? I mean, it was like it would have been easy to just to tune him out and be like, "Yeah, man, it's, that's, that's, that sounds pretty good." Anyway, so that that really stuck out to me. I try and do that. Um, and, just so there's, there's, there's a lot to that. I'm just playing what I hear, man. I'm playing what I feel. So stop feeling that, man. Um, so, so there's something, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, and we did some, you know, you know, to make a parallel, it's like sometimes you're like wondering, like, you know, would I annoy the Lord if I'm going to like pray about such and such? And it's like, well, no, he wants to hear from me. He's listening. He's always listening. You know, it's like same thing with like a good teacher. It's like, you know, just because your student says something stupid, well, of course they're going to say something stupid. They, they, they need to learn. So Skip was trying to figure out the thought process behind what he was playing. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. What is he actually thinking about, or is he thinking, you know? Or yeah. Kind of, Skip was really trying to figure that out. That was interesting. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, so why did you play that? Not like shaming you, but like, like why did you play that note? Was there like a thought process there? No. Um, so I'm going to play one more. Uh, this tune has... Uh, well, the, the title has a lot of meaning, and uh, so the title of this tune is Remember the Future. And so, right, is that? We're skipping. We're skipping on this. Oh, that's, that's right. I'm doing on time. So it's been done at 8.30, is that right? 8.15. Okay, then let's, I've uh, talked too much. Let's, 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 let's skip on this one. Okay. <laughs> on this one, yeah. So uh, this tune's called Remember the Future. And, uh, and I love this idea, and this is something that Kevin, you know, in our many, many, many talks about, you know, just about all kinds of things, talking about, um, like, so the Lord's Supper, and, and so in, uh, in one of the passages where, the, the one, one we read at, at, um, at Weston Presbyterian a lot, 
uh, when, we, when, when they would kind of institute the Lord's Supper, it's from 1 Corinthians 11. It says, uh, so this, this cup is, so it's, it's Paul quoting Jesus. He's saying, this, is the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so the idea that you're going to like remember something that happened because it's about, it, you know, so you're remembering this because it's going to relate to the future. There's this like dual, there's this dual directive directions to your thinking. You're like remembering and looking forward at simultaneously. And that's like, I feel like there, there's a huge um, comparison in your relation in that, in the way we make music too. It's like, if you make music that has no relation to anything that came before it, um, it's going to be terrible. I can. I mean, it's just. It's going to be groundless, and it's going to not have any enough any meaning, right? But like, if you just are just doing like, it's only looking back, and it has no sense of looking forward at all. It also feels very stale, and it feels like, what are we doing? It's like, it's like watching like somebody take a corpse and like dance it around or something. It's like I don't want to see that um, either. And I'm not saying we shouldn't play Mozart, but you got to play. You can't. You can't. You got. There, there's something in Mozart that relates to now and the future, and like you got to play it that way. Um, and so, and and so when this idea of, of like being rooted in tradition, not so, not so that you won't move forward, but so you can move forward with the sense of like being rooted in a, in a sense of like um, just like being informed and like and having have actual meaning to it. Um, and so that, 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 that relates to that. So the tune is, a, is like a 12-8 Afro-Cuban feel, which is like so fundamental. I can't even go into it all, but like it's so fundamental to jazz and the, the idea of a swing feel. And it's like, it's like so basic to, the American, to American music. It's like what makes American music, basically, or at least one, one of the most fundamental things. So um, that's kind of the sense of this tradition. But like the groove itself actually requires you to feel two things at the same time. You've got to feel four, and you've got to feel six at the same time. Which normally you'd think these two things like wouldn't go together. And it's like, so you, you, know, you take two things that like, might not seem like they go together, and not only do they go together, they're actually better. Each thing feels better because the other is there too, right? And so you've got like, this is the So there's like the four, three, three, and that those two things coexisting is what makes it feel so amazing. So you got this like grounded. So you feel these two things at the same time, and there's again, there's there's, there's like so many parallels, at least in my mind, of like the idea of you know, you know, unity and diversity. Like it's like they, they, the two things actually work; they can work together. You know, it means they mean more when you have a sense of unity. You know, unity when there's actually actual like diversity within that within that unity, just like the Trinity, right? And or like freedom. And submission, like it's like if you're just free and just chaos, and everyone's doing whatever they want. Like that does, that's terrible. <laughs> that's not that's not actually free. Um, so like you gotta like have a structure too, but you gotta be free within that structure too. So all that is kind of contained in there. And then this tune, the, the kind of the second section is of the tune is, is a little more like 
kind of maybe it's like the forward-looking part. It's like the more modern, kind of modern, modern feel. So that's the idea behind this tune. Um, this is probably the newest. Oh, this is the newest tune, right? So, um, sorry, I didn't save any time for questions. I thought that we went to eight thirty. We'll play one more tune, and then maybe I'm, I'm happy to stick around and take some questions if people want to chat or whatever. Um, again, this is uh, Emory, Randall, and Allen. Let's give it up for them.
Thank you.